Hi, I'm Adam Rappaport, Editor-in-Chief of Bon Appetit. Welcome to the first ever Bon Appetit podcast, where we'll be talking to chefs and restaurateurs and mixologists and celebrities and basically anyone who loves food, who loves to cook, you'll find it here. First up, we are talking Thanksgiving, the greatest eating day of the year. And we are joined right now by Bon Appetit food director, Carlo Lolly Music, and senior food editor, Allison Roman. Welcome aboard, guys. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm all right. Carla, how are you doing? Always good. Excellent. All right, let's let, let's get down to business because uh, we're talking Thanksgiving. This year, we run down the entire menu for you from turkey to stuffing to desserts. Um, let's start with, obviously, the turkey. And this year, we are prescribing that our readers spatchcock. Everyone knows what a roast turkey is. I don't think a lot of people know what a spatchcock turkey is. So just in layman's term, can you explain? So I think most people know what a butterfly chicken is. Butterfly turkey is a spatchcock turkey. Backbone is removed. Flip them over. Flatten them out. <laughs> Ouch. That's it. Now, my question is this. And, and Allison, you did a lot of the testing in the kitchen. You're down in our test kitchen where you're cooking every single day. Were you spatchcocking the turkey yourself? Were you taking shears and cutting out the backbone and flattening it? Or did you have a yeah. butcher do it for you? You can absolutely have a butcher do it for you, but it's really not that difficult to do it yourself. You should already have a really good pair of kitchen shears, something that's strong enough to cut through that vertebrae. But, you know, a turkey backbone is not that much tougher than a chicken nothing, backbone. It's just larger. Nothing like uh, saying the word vertebrae to get people yeah. excited for Thanksgiving dinner. You hear that? Dinner. Vertebrae. Happy Thanksgiving, <laughs> um, everybody. We, but we, we do have a very cool video on bonappetit.com um, where you can see how this is done, how this technique works. Now, you talk about that the spatchcocking reduces the cooking time. Is that true? Drastically. Absolutely. Like, like, give me, if you were to roast a 14-pound bird in the conventional way, how long would it take? We went back and looked at the numbers. It was like anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours, depending on the temperature. And this is a 90-minute situation. Bam. It's like half Fun. as long. And then what kind of bird does it yield? What, what, is, what is the skin like? What's the meat like? Well, the whole beauty of it is there's no under part that's mm -hmm. not exposed to the heat. So you know how on your... Your regular conventional bird, you have the whole back is underneath, the thighs are underneath. They're it's never all moist getting. And yeah, kind it's of just not getting out there mush. in the sun. No, you know, yeah. it's, it's not like the when same you're, love and attention. you're tanning, you've got a, you've got that whole underside is just not yeah. exposed. So what we did is, you, when the backbone is out, everything is flat, and 100% of the skin is exposed to the heat. Let's talk about some of the the fundamentals of making a good stuffing because you're not making it in the bird, so it's not absorbing all that juice. So how do you keep it moist and juicy? and delicious, Allison. I mean, you, it's basically, when it goes in the oven, you're, it should be wetter than you would want it to be when it comes out because it's, you're making like a savory bread pudding situation. Ooh. Yeah, you want it, you know, kind of custardy, but it's uh, not a pudding. Yeah. So you want it to be crispy on the top and moist as if it had been inside of a bird. So but. always always err on the side of adding a bit more stock. Yeah, mm -hmm. you don't so. want it dry. You want crispy bits, but you don't want it dry in the middle. And fat. It, there's a there's an obscene amount of fat in stuffing, which is why it tastes so good. Mm. And, and by fat, you mean butter? I mean butter. I like to hit it with the broiler at the very end. Just you to love like, the broiler. Just, well, yeah. You're I mean, all about a broiler. People don't embrace the broiler enough in these modern days, and why not? That's just like, like restaurants, they have salamanders. Yeah, exactly. And in the home kitchen, you have your broiler, use it, and it gets it Super hot and crispy without drying out the interior. I'm going to respectfully disagree. It's sort of like you're, 
you know, when you toast bread on the skillet, which I've seen you do many mm, times, mm-hmm. where you say people oftentimes do it too hot for uh, too short of a yep, time. Yep, yep. So but what you're getting is essentially a very, very dark on the first layer and everything else is really soft. Um, I think the key thing is that you're not just sitting back and saying, oh, I did this thing for 35 minutes and that's how long the recipe said, so it should be perfect right now. If it's not brown enough, take action. All right, yeah. so next question. Now, when you're making a stuffing in the oven, do you typically bake it covered for most of the time so it stays moist and then take the top off at the end? Or what do you guys prefer technique-wise? I prefer to cover it for most of the time because otherwise it can start to dry out. You can, you know, get it crispy as you want after it's fully set and cooked. Gravy is not something you make ahead. Right. Or make separately from – it's not a separate process from roasting the bird. Yeah. They're intertwined. As the French would say, you do this a la minute. You take the turkey – as the turkey is resting after it's roasted, you put it on a cutting board – You've got all those crispy bits and whatnot in the bottom of the pan. Yep. You deglaze those, correct? Yep. With some wine or whatever? You have to defat, defat it yeah. a little bit and then start building the so, stock in the pan. And essentially with the with the gravy, you're, you're taking some flour, you're sort of toasting it in a pan, and you're making a roux, which is basically just adding fat to flour. And that fat is coming from where? The fat from the drippings in the, the bird. Yeah, and you, yeah. Make, and you make a paste till it turns a nice caramelly brown. And then as you're whisking it, you slowly pull her in Your stock, stock, which is already done. It's pretty much that simple. We have obviously have the real recipe online. It's a combination of good turkey stock, flour, I and think fat. what most people do, even if they're using the drippings from the turkey itself, is they... They pour everything off from the pan and that they set the pan aside and don't go back to that. Go back. You have to go back. Go you back, have guys. to build the roux in the pan, like Adam was saying. Okay, we're, we're working our way down through the table. Relishes. Cranberry. I, I grew up thinking, why would anyone want cranberry sauce? It's kind of disgusting. Oh, and, so necessary. But as you get older, you want something to sort of zing through all that fat on the table, right? Yeah. Like you were talking about earlier, acidity is super important, not just when cooking, but when you're also eating. You know, we give some options. Like, yes, yes, there's cranberry sauce, the one you grew up with, but we also have a sweet and spicy chili pepper jelly, spiced dried fruit chutney, and a roasted citrus uh, relish, all of which look absolutely delicious. And all the, yeah, the common denominator is they're sweet and acidic, correct? Yeah, I think that the cranberry sauce from the can that a lot of people grew up eating the downside of that one is that it's too sweet. Yeah, and so not acidic So the beauty enough. of the cranberry is that natural tartness and that acidity that cuts through everything. If it's if it's too sweet, then you're just adding sweet on top of fat, and that's no fun. So all of these have a brightness to them, a zing, a spice, yeah. acid. And, and on that same note, um, kale, Brussels sprouts, Favorite. chopped almond yeah. salad. And you need a salad on the table. It's like the NASCAR pit stop, basically. Yeah. Like when you're when you've already OD'd on everything, you have like a bite of something really crisp. Then you feel like you can really go in for round two. And it's interesting that like for some reason you would you would do this at every other meal of the year. You'd always think of something crisp and salad like. Yet for Thanksgiving, you don't do it. And you're like, you know what? Yes, you can do it. Finally, dessert. We're a little bit controversial this year. We say you don't need a pumpkin pie on the table. What you do need is plenty of other more decadent, more delicious desserts. And our centerfold dish is this amazing apple galette. Made it this weekend. Took it for a test drive. I'm so not a dessert guy. And one day I was down in the test kitchen and you guys were testing it. And it's one of those things like, all right, let me taste this. And then, okay, I need another. Next thing you know, you've had just this massive piece because it is so, it's salty, it's sweet, it's buttery. It's kind of everything you want in a dessert. I remember Carl and I having this conversation, right, as we started developing this issue. It was sort of, we went back and forth like, 
do we need a pie? Like, maybe we don't do a pie. Is that crazy? I don't know. This year we said, eat what you want. Right. The dessert lineup for this issue was sort of like the boy band lineup of desserts because it was like, <laughs> we've got the chocolatey one and the tart one and the buttery one. The smooth one. and mellow one. Yeah. It was like literally something for everybody. Well, that sounds great. Um, and, uh, well, I will say this, guys. Thanks for joining us on our first ever Bon Appetit podcast. So fun. Kick it off. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And coming up next, we're talking, well, kind of the best thing ever about Thanksgiving. Leftovers. Joined now by my assistant, Emil Stonic or Stanic? Stonic, dude. I mean, it's arbitrary, but, you know, Stonic. The long A. (laughs) And to Emil's left is still Carla Lolly Music, Bon Appetit Food Director. We're here to talk the good stuff. We're, we're talking Thanksgiving, but specifically leftovers, which I, I, I like to think that, honestly, as much as everyone loves Thanksgiving Day and the meal and football and getting together, what they really look forward to is that, that turkey sandwich, the mashed potatoes mm-hmm. fried up. Whether mm-hmm. it's at 1 a.m. or noon the next day, that's what we crave and cherish, right? Yeah, well, it's like also kind of the it's the time where you get to eat all the Thanksgiving food, but without the family or like exactly. without like you know it's like where you get to like sit by yourself and eat the <laughs> like eat the sandwich and, in front of the TV and really concentrate it's like yeah. it's you and sports center and no one bugging you and asking you questions mm-hmm. about what you've been up to I just love the ritual of putting all of the leftover containers sort of down the table you know like one after the other and then yep. you just make your way through like the greatest you know chopped buffet that there is but it's all all of your leftovers it's like yeah. my, my own personal buffet and you're cherry picking back when I was younger or I'd come home from, from school and we'd have Thanksgiving dinner. And then afterwards, we'd go out and, and we'd see friends and you'd end up at some bar. Right. And you'd come home like at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And then it was time to eat Thanksgiving dinner again. But as you said, Emil, it's just, it's just you, a kitchen counter light, and a refrigerator. What was your, what's your, what was your go-to well, creation? Go-to creation. I mean, it was definitely a, a sandwich, a turkey sandwich. I like to put some of the – take some stuffing and fry it in a pan and put it in the middle of the sandwich. So it's kind of like the middle slice – of bread in a club sandwich. Wow. Yeah. It's That's advanced. Pretty, but it's like, it is definitely that sandwich that you're making at two in the morning. Dark meat turkey. Um, I mean, it depends. If the breast is very juicy, then the white meat is going on. Yeah, so you got the turkey, the crispy stuffing. What else? Crispy stuffing, definitely some gravy. Um, I like a little little swipe of mashed potatoes. Mayonnaise and cranberries are kind of on the same layer, so they're kind of mingling. Oh, it's kind of like almost like when you make sriracha mayo or whatever. It's sure. kind of like cranberry mm-hmm. and mayo. Yeah, but if somebody said cranberry mayo, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. So it's like we're just not – they're just two separate things. But yeah, cranberry and mayo sounds delicious. Yeah. Carla, what's your, what's your go-to? The gravy is a key component, so we – I like to toast the bread with the gravy on the outside. Oh, we talked about this we earlier. We talked about it a little bit. I'm yes. griddling the bread. Thank I'm making you. fry bread in a cast iron skillet, <laughs> and then I build I build my sandwich with mayo, turkey, mashed potatoes, and the leftover. We do sautéed uh, Brussels sprout leaves that are like quick sautéed yeah, yeah. with some walnuts and walnut oil. And there's a lot of competition over getting that because there's usually just like a very small amount left over. So you want a layer of that. The fresh cranberry relish. My mom makes one with cranberries mm-hmm. and orange. It's yep. the one that's on the back of the ocean spray bag if you would like to make that. It's delicious. That's where that recipe comes from. I Pretty thought much. It was my mom's recipe. You can cut the sugar back, which is a good idea. Yeah, my and, does that. and then the and then that toasty gravy bread. We have this leftovers primer in our November issue of Bon Appetit. My favorite of these in the magazine, it says, When in doubt, fry. 
we thought mashed potato stock plummeted on day two because mashed potatoes do get dried out uh, quickly in the fridge until we had these croquettes, crispy yet creamy. Potatoes might be better the second time around. We asked the staff what they do. You would be amazed how many people said they make croquettes out of mashed potatoes. What's the technique? You're basically combining the mashed potato with a little bit of egg, make a batter out of it. You roll it in your egg and breadcrumb just like you would do a cutlet. So you roll them up, you make this batter, roll them in breadcrumbs. Yep. And then do you deep fry them? They're, do you pan- pan- they're shallow fry. Yeah, they're crispy on the outside like any good sort of croquette or croquetta um, and creamy on the inside. Um, I love that. I also, what I also love, I think with turkey, as much as we love a turkey sandwich, you got to, if you have a big bird or you, gotta, you do two birds, you're one of those families, what do you do with all that turkey? Um, I love this sort of, we'd make a sort of a kind of a Thai, what, instead of a chicken salad, it's kind of like a turkey salad. Let's talk about that one. The thing I like about this is that it's just completely different flavors than your traditional Thanksgiving profile. So, And there's a little bit of Thanksgiving fatigue. It's rich. It's heavy. But you still want to get into that turkey. Maybe this is your day two or three. Right. It sounds like day two. Yeah, where it's fresh. It's crunchy. It's got a lot of acidity. It's got the carrots. It's got lime juice. Um, It wakes up your your taste buds. Because I think that that first day after, you're still craving mashed potatoes and everything. But by day two, you're like... It's day two of the of the leftovers. You're like, yeah, I can wake it up. I could in this one. maybe put on. I'm gonna have to put regular pants that are not drawstring <laughs> at a certain point. So, as I turn the pages of the magazine, serve stuffing for breakfast, crowned with a fried egg. Who wrote crowned with a fried egg? I love that. And drizzled with maple syrup, stuffing hash belongs in the brunch canon. Sweet I mean, and sweet and salty. I yeah. like this one, too, because it, it you can use up the last sweet potato that didn't make it into the mm-hmm. casserole. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to ha- you're gonna have leftovers that are cooked, and then you're going to have leftover ingredients that you oh. just had a little bit more, mm-hmm. the extra yeah. handful of potatoes. All right, I need to call someone out, you know, as much as I want to get behind every single recipe in the pages of Bon Appetit. We have, it, uh, this is not really a recipe as much as it is a suggestion. What to do with that leftover pie? Try a pie shake. Put a slice of pie and some ice cream in a tall, sturdy glass. Blitz with an immersion blender until just combined. Spoonable chunks are key. Where the hell did this come from? That doesn't sound good to you. I can tell you exactly where it came from. I spent two years at Shake Shack as a general manager. I never saw people. There was a line every day of people who went crazy for everything. And then there was a special other crazy line of people (laughs) who came just for the pumpkin concrete at Thanksgiving. So that's where this came from. So what was a... Uh, pumpkin by concrete frozen custard which is like ice cream but even richer Uh Um, vanilla flavored vanilla Uh that would be blended in the it's like a blizzard but you would put a slice of pumpkin pie in there with the crust with the crust and the everything and i thought all incorporated is it half and half Mm. so still you're getting spoonfuls of in every bite there's sort of a spoonful of ice cream and some and crust. Pie. So it's, it's kind of like that cookies and cream sort of yeah. mentality where you get chunks Chunky, of stuff. It's chunkier than that. But I thought they were nuts, and then I had one, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Wow. I stand corrected, apparently. You know what? Tell you what. Um, I, I, I guess I'm kind of looking forward to Thanksgiving, but I'm really looking forward to the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So be sure to pick up the latest issue of Bon Appetit. Check it out. All these recipes on bonappetit.com. Thank you, Carla, and thank you, Emil. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back to the Bon Appetit Podcast. I'm still Adam Rappaport, and I'm now joined by digital food editor, Dawn Perry. Dawn, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. Well, very excited to have you. And, but wait, there's more. Our special guest, 
celebrated writer and illustrator Ben Schott, who's also an op-ed contributor at the New York Times, author of Schott's Miscellany, Schott's Food and Drink Miscellany, and various variations on that theme. The reason we have Ben here is uh, in our Thanksgiving issue of Bon Appetit, we did this groovy etiquette guide uh, that Ben collaborated with on, and he designed it, and he laid it out. And as we were sort of in the process of brainstorming um, this guide, uh, it, the, the irony was not lost on me that we had hired an Englishman to tell us how to behave on our national holiday. What the hell were we thinking? Well, you were thinking totally correctly. There is obviously nothing like an Englishman to tell you how to behave in any given circumstance. <laughs> There's something very pleasing, of course, of dipping your pen in vitriol and telling other people <laughs> what to do. And the Brits are, you know, highly talented. Yeah, but, 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 since when did the world headquarters of manners? I think it's something about having an empire. But there is something about having an outsider um, come into uh, any uh, environment to observe and to see things in a crisp and fresh way. Um, and I've been to three or four Thanksgivings uh, sort of the first time in my life and it's it's a it's a really interesting experience and it's an interesting ceremony not one we have uh in britain and so it was fun to look at etiquette from this perspective and as i say to teach americans what's right and wrong oh and we should have a full disclosure moment for the the listeners you are married to an american woman well actually that's not strictly true i married to a a woman from new jersey (laughs) which (laughs) takes it to a whole depth of americanism that i think uh so no absolutely and i've been uh, to thanksgivings in new jersey and i've lived to tell the tale and um this year is thanksgiving uh, in in new jersey um and no it is it's true but it's it's fun having sort of uh, an alienated uh, you know appreciation of this you know great american holiday i'm gonna cut right to it all right what time to eat i'm the people who eat like Thanksgiving dinner at 2 p.m., I'm sorry, they're wrong. That is not dinner, that is lunch. I would agree, but I don't make the schedule when my mom is hosting. But you do 4 p.m. I think 4 p.m., I don't know. I'm more of a 6 p.m. guy. I like to get there around 4 p.m., have a lengthy cocktail snacks hour or so, hour and a half, and then dinner. Shot, what's your take? I agree. I think you have to work backwards. Mm. I think it's all about sort of you work backwards from, you know, when you want to be finished. The danger of eating at two is that you're done by 3.30 and by eight o'clock you're both incredibly hungry and totally sated with turkey and stuffing. So I'd like a meal that ends late. I think a meal that ends at about seven, that means you get home at eight and you maybe have a snack and you have a light and then then you're done. If you eat too early, I think you you end up having two meals and the second one never really satisfied. Um, You had an interesting point here, Ben, regarding guests, Especially if you have um, some of us and and you know who are not with our families, and we have you know more of a friendsgiving, if you will, and we invite a bunch of interesting people. You suggested doing a little recon or letting your other guests know who the other guests are before they get there. Well, I like that in, a, in, a, in any kind of dinner party where if you don't know everybody, you just get a little line saying, okay, so-and-so. I mean, you don't want the full bio. You don't want, you know, their blood pressure. And- you don't want a <laughs> celebrated writer and illustrator, op-ed contributor at the New York Times. Well, I insist on that <laughs> yes. being, that's in my writer for every dinner party. But just a little bit of something. And if you've got a connection, hey, this guy, you know, he's in this field, he works close to you or she does this. I think it's nice. I think it's fun. It means that you don't sort of say so that kind of awkward, so what do you do conversation. Yeah. You can go in sort of not cold. And I think it just makes for... Because this really is a friendly family occasion. And I think if you can cut through the ice early, it just makes things much more, you know, enjoyable. We do these series of dinners downstairs in our BA kitchen here at Bon Appetit. And we were hosting one the other week with some chefs from Bar Chartine in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do what Ben told me to do. And there's about 12 people coming. And I sent all the guests an email explaining who everyone was. 
And I was surprised the enthusiastic response to that email. Like, oh, this is great. This is so much fun. I didn't know, you know, people got excited for the party and they kind of, everyone Googled and did a little bit and it, it was kind of neat. Now the important stuff. So, so you're a guest and, and one thing guests always ask of the host, what can I bring? What do you tell them? Well, wine is always a safe bet. Your good attitude and an appetite. Wow. Ooh, but I like those. Also depends on the logistics. Again, with my family, it's usually a potluck situation. So we'll handle turkey, stuffing, usually like a side. But someone else is bringing pie. Someone else is bringing sweet potatoes. Someone else is bringing rolls. So you got to get organized. And if you are going to distribute like that, make sure you don't just say, whatever you want. Give them a specific assignment, even if it's like bring a green vegetable or bring a potato dish, whether it's a gratin, a scallop, a mash. Yeah, I think I think Thanksgiving more than any other meal is about execution. And it's about organization. I would say when people say, oh, don't bring anything, just bring yourself. You absolutely cannot arrive empty handed. I agree You as have well. to bring something. And we have lots of rules in here uh, in this wonderful uh, Bon App special that say exactly some of the things you should bring. Don't bring food if you haven't been asked. Don't bring wine if you haven't been asked. There's lots of things you can bring. Bring a bottle of great olive oil that they can use later. Bring a lovely bottle of spirits that will last for years. Yeah, if you can um, you can bring, that's another thing I think, bring a, a great bottle of bourbon, you know, one of America's finest products. Um, we are not saying you don't have to serve this with dinner, but you can serve it after dinner or you can drink it next month and, and it's a great gift. And as the guest, in that case, don't expect to have it open when you go there. This is your offering to the host for their effort. Let's talk about diet, because in this day and age, you cannot have a dinner party without being concerned about someone's dietary restrictions, and this person's a vegetarian, this person's gluten-free, this person's allergic to that, and I get that that's the world we live in now, but you are also a host who's cooking up a, a storm of dishes and coordinating, and how attentive should we be towards one guest's dietary restrictions and how much is it on them to sort of navigate the meal on their own, Dawn? You know, I feel like Thanksgiving is always a spread. There's a variety of dishes. As long as you know, okay, we've got some stuff that's gluten-free. We've got some stuff that's still vegetarian. I can make a plate out of this. Um, I think you're okay. I don't think you should be forced to design an entire meal um, around one guest's dietary needs. I guess my take, Ben, is that Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving table is so expansive that there is so much to choose from. Um, You can sort of art direct your meal as you see fit. Um, And that I don't tend to typically worry about particular guests, but you do need to let people know, hey, there's nuts in this, or actually there is sausage in that stuffing. You know, that is not vegetarian. I know you're vegetarian, so... What's your take, Ben? I completely agree. I think, um, obviously, things with serious consequences need to be highlighted. But the other thing I would say is it's just one meal. You know, if you don't like the stuffing, then don't eat the stuffing. And it's just kind of don't ask, don't tell. It's just keep a low profile. And this is one of the things about being a guest is it's just don't cause extra problems. If you say, you know, if you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. You don't have to make a tremendous fanfare about not eating it or just, you can just keep it low, keep it easy and realize that it's a lot of work that's gone into it. And if in doubt, just eat another roast potato. It's 2015, right? 14, 2014. 14. 2014, getting ahead of myself. Um, <clears throat> we all have cell phones and smartphones and such these days. What do we do with them on Thanksgiving? We turn them off. No, that's impossible. 
We put them on silent. We put them on silent. <laughs> we put them on silent. But do you? But uh, this is also listen. We we are a media company. We are a brand. We in, we sort of endorse and encourage Instagramming and tweeting. Tell us what you're cooking. Show us what you're cooking. So we're supposed to Instagram on Thanksgiving, right? True. But the trick of a good Instagram is to make it feel spontaneous. So the picture of your carefully styled Thanksgiving plate is not the sexy Instagram. It's like the buffet with the dirty gravy spoon. It's the kitchen that's a wreck. I mean... Ben is looking thoroughly baffled. No, no. I think it's a fundamental difference between sort of external and internal. I mean, using your phone to take a beautiful Instagram of you know, a fantastic dish that you love and you want to share is one thing. Checking your emails at the table is an entirely other thing. So I think when we say turn it off, we're talking about turn off the outside world. Sharing is one thing, but, you know, taking your mind elsewhere, I think, is what cell phones do. And I think that's the sort of downside of them is that everyone's sitting there in their own little world and they're not at the table present with the people they're sharing the meal with. And there's nothing worse than any meal in a restaurant or Thanksgiving, anyone where suddenly the conversation stops as someone gets out their phone to Google something. It's like, who's that guy in the film? In the old days, there was this thing called I Reckon. I Reckon it was, and that was wonderful. That was charming. That's how conversation developed. And there was an ebb and flow of sort of uncertainty and whimsicality. Now, as soon as you have Google, you just instantly get to the fact. And facts kill conversation. Speculation is the, is the, is, is the juice of conversation. So I have a, a line in here which I absolutely believe in 100%, which is on no account you'd ever consult Google to settle an argument at a meal. Remember, a gentleman never resorts to fact. Finally, before we wrap things up, also, Thanksgiving. Don't forget to give. Correct, Ben? Yeah. Thanksgiving without charity is like food without salt. Um, if you're lucky enough to be with people you love, with food and wine and good cheer, then it's only humane and kind to think of people who don't have that. All right. On that note, thank you so much for coming. Ben Schott, Don Perry, happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Thanks for listening to the first ever Bon Appetit podcast. All the recipes we talked about today are available at bonappetit.com.